If you could return to your seats, please, and open in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. Uh, Caleb is going to be reading for us verses 18 through 40. It's also, uh, you can find it printed in your bulletin. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you had told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God has granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, so that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, he said. Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of, from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise in need of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck.
much. Caleb, appreciate that. And uh, if you would just join me in praying. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we don't have to trick and lie and steal and manipulate in order to receive your blessing, but you graciously are, are just eager, are waiting, are anticipating, hoping to give us your blessing. You want us to receive it. You want us to know what blessing is, and so I pray that you would do that through this time, that we would better understand, more deeply understand what blessing is, what the blessing of life really is that we should be wanting. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been moving through the life and the story of Jacob, and this week we come to the dark, um, rather gloomy scene, dismal scene, where Jacob steals Esau's blessing. And to round out the scene here with uh, the other characters, we have Isaac. Isaac is blind. Uh, He's, of course, physically blind, but he is also spiritually blind. He's blind to what God's purposes have been, blind to the fact that God is intent and and fixed on blessing Jacob. And, And Isaac wants nothing to do with that. He keeps trying to find and work a way to bless Esau. So he's blind to what God is up to. And then, of course, we have Esau, and he is hoping that this now is going to finally be a a reversal of the fortunes, sort of a turning of the tide for Esau that's going to right the score between him and Jacob. And what is interesting within this story is that all of it is centered around all of the action, all of the drama in this moves around the blessing. The blessing, Isaac's fatherly blessing, is the centerpiece of what every single character is doing. And every single one of them, except maybe perhaps Isaac in a, in a small way, it, it just completely fails to understand what God's blessing really is. They miss it. Now, when I was in high school, uh, I had, and this is, I would venture to guess, the case with pretty much all teenagers, uh, really the case for all of us as adults as well. We still do this. But I had a vision of uh, what the ideal life was, the sort of, the, the sort of person that I wanted to be, the, the kind of role or place that I felt that I wanted to occupy in the social dynamics of the school. And within this image that I I conjured up for myself, a a key component of that was going to be, in my mind, that I I needed to be a relatively good soccer player on the school soccer team. Now that represented a bit of an obstacle, because I was a relatively bad player on the school soccer team. So uh, what happened then, when when I determined this, I, I, I fixed this as part of my goal I I then decided, okay, I am going to do whatever it takes to get there. And so I I got this little running schedule. I'm sure some of you have seen these sort of things from the coach, right? This was supposed to get me into the the physical fitness place I need to be. I I started 
uh, hanging out with a number of other players from the, the soccer team, trying to, trying to make friends with them, and we could hang out and play soccer. I started joining rec leagues in the various off-seasons, and, and then during the school year, I would often come back home from school. I would eat a, a quick snack, and then I would take my soccer ball, go out in the backyard, and I would, just, I would practice for hours until dinner. And, and through the, the combined forces of all of those efforts, I became average. Let's, let's say, to, to be generous, uh, <laughs> average, um, mediocre. But the, the point in that was there was in my mind this picture of the ideal life. We'll call it for the sake of this sermon, the blessed life. And, and what that picture was, it drove, whether or not I knew it, whether or not I articulated it to anybody else or even really to myself, that drove everything else that I did. It, it drove where I spent my time and then what I cut from my time. It drove my friendships, my, who I hung out with, who I stopped hanging out with. Uh, it, it drove and shaped my family relationships and, and how I went about my priorities. Everything was being sorted around what is this vision of the blessed life. And this is the case for all of us. All of us are doing this. And, and this is the reason as well why we see this tragedy of this story play out in, in the particular ways that it does for each one of these people. For Jacob, for Esau, for Isaac, for Rebekah. All of them, each one of them, they all have this fixed idea in their mind of who should receive the blessing and then also what the blessing should or the blessed life should look like. So in order for us to get into this story, in order for this story to make sense for you and I and how it intersects with our life, I think we have to see the importance. We've got to see the importance in our own lives of getting the blessing. Whatever that looks like for you. And, and it could look like a number of different things. And, and so I'll offer you a question in order to, to get you started, right, as you think about, well, what is the blessing for you? What does that look like in your life? So ask yourself, what is it in life that you would say, I would do anything to get this? I, I would do anything to feel like this. I would do anything to be like this. That's your blessing. There it is. Right? That, that is what is going to shape everything else in your life. It's going to drive the ways that you act, and it's going to drive us to, to respond and behave in very similar ways as we see Jacob and Esau behaving. So my main point for us from this, from this sermon is to go after the blessing that is yours. The blessing that is yours in Jesus. Go after that blessing. So we're going to talk about throughout this story about how it all kind of revolves and moves around this idea of blessing. And we're going to see how Jacob gets the blessing wrong. We're going to see how Esau gets the blessing wrong. 
And then lastly, we're going to look at the blessing itself. What is this blessing from Isaac in the center of this story that everything else kind of hinges around? And how do we get this? What does this blessing look like for us that we should be after? So let's look first of all at Jacob. Jacob, recall, is is the deceiver. He is the heel grabber. He is this perpetually insecure person who, who spends his whole life trying to wheel and deal to get this blessing that he's never really sure of. Despite the fact that God has actually promised it to him. God has, has set and declared his blessing on Jacob before he was even born. Right? But, but he, can't, he can't get a hold of that. And in fact, it won't actually be until Jacob wrestles with God himself. And he will realize during that that the blessing only comes when it is freely given him from God. And that that's when it will actually click for Jacob. But for right now, at this time and in this passage, we see Jacob uh, quite possibly at his lowest. This is is really the low point. Uh, One of the, the worst, most treacherous, um, just just low-down, deceptive performances of Jacob's life, a type of performance he had probably become very familiar with by this point. And so we see Jacob, he, he is disguising himself as Esau. He's covering himself in animal skins. He's going through this elaborate charade to, to, with his old and blind father to trick him in, into believing that he's Esau so that He'll, he'll steal the blessing. Uh, and, and at multiple steps along the way, uh, Isaac, Isaac senses something is fishy. Now, we can, we can wonder whether Isaac should have been a little more attuned to what was happening, but, but he senses something is amiss, something is fishy. And, and there are multiple opportunities that he gives Jacob to come clean, to fess up, to drop the act. But he won't do it. Jacob is absolutely steadfast in this to the point that he is willing to, almost like Judas, betray his brother and his father with a kiss. Jacob Jacob doesn't even hesitate to invoke God's name, the name of God himself he brings into as sort of a party, to as a, as a help to his act of deception. When, when Isaac asks him, well, how did you get back so fast? He goes, oh, it's God. It's your God. Blessed me. And, and that's why I'm here. And we can see from that exactly kind of how Jacob is thinking about God's blessing. Namely, it doesn't have anything to do with God not at least God as he really is. Jacob, and really for that matter, Esau and Rebekah, even Isaac to a large degree, they all have this sort of superstitious view of the fatherly blessing. That it's going to work like some kind of magic incantation over this that, that you can then kind of trick, you can manipulate and twist God's arm into doing whatever you want if you just say the right words. And I think we can sit back here in this story as we think about Jacob and we can wonder, how could you do something like this? How could you do something so low, so backhanded? It's your own family. 
Now, some of you may be thinking that. Some of you may be thinking, well, it sounds a lot like my family. <laughs> but uh, either way, we've got to remember here the importance of the blessing. Right? And what the blessing was. In the minds of these two young men, right, the blessing represented everything. Right? The blessing was, was going to be this, this ideal life, the, these prospects of what they really wanted in life, that if I get this, whether or not I get this is going to make everything else worthwhile or not. And so I think that we should never underestimate what we will do to get the things that we think are most valuable. Because what will happen is that there will come other sins or other tricks or other compromises along that road that we do in the service of what we think is the greatest, what we think is most valuable. Because what happens within that is that everything else we do becomes justifiable. We come up with rationalizations for these things because everything else that we have, all of other resources, all of other relationships, well, they're not worth anything. They have no value unless they move me toward this blessing. This is what matters. And so, specifically for Jacob, in his case, as well as Esau, what the blessing was, was security and prosperity and power. Specifically power within this sibling rivalry over their brother. That that was the blessing. And one of the terrible consequences of defining a blessing as, spoiler alert, anything except a relationship with God, right, that that's the blessing, you define the blessing as anything else besides that, it becomes a zero-sum game. And, and what I mean by that is that if someone else gets more, now you must have less. Right? Isn't that always the way it works? That blessing outside of God is always viewed in terms of comparison. Let me just give you a quick example of this. Let's say that your vision of the blessed life uh, is that you are really smart and you get the top grades. Okay, And what happens one time, you, uh, there, there's a test and you get a 95 on the test and your friend gets a 98. Now, you know that your friend getting a 98 on that test does not now somehow mean there are less points available for you to get. You know that. But, your friend getting a 98 does in fact reduce your enjoyment of the 95. Because it's a zero-sum game. If somebody else gets more, what you have is less. And so to enjoy a blessing outside of God, it must mean that you have more of that blessing than other people. How else are you going to know that you're blessed? Except in terms of comparison. And so what it does, it creates this vicious cycle of envying and and jealousy and competition, as, as we see here. And there's another really important lesson that we learn here from Jacob. And that is... You can know for sure, you can count on it, you can take this to the bank, that 
whatever you believe is the blessing, whatever you believe is the thing that is going to make your life what it should be, that is going to come out. It is going to make itself known. You are going to manifest that. Just just take Jacob for a quick example here. If Jacob had believed, not that this is any better, but if Jacob had believed that the blessed life uh, was his father's approval, right? his father thinking really highly of him, his father favoring him and, and uh, you know, really, really just having a good opinion of him, he never would have done what he does here. Because he knows that the truth is going to come out. And it's going to come out in short order as soon as Esau comes walking through that door. So Jacob makes it obvious that he has put something else as the center of his hopes, the center of his desires. So that he is at the point that he is willing to trade his relationship with his brother, his relationship with his father, in order to obtain this Blessing. Whatever we believe constitutes the biggest blessing in life, it is going to make itself known. In the way that we handle our relationships, the way that we make our decisions, it's going to become obvious. And let's look now at Esau. Let's look at how he gets the blessing wrong. And I want to insert here again that as a reminder, the blessing that the Bible holds out for us to value more than any blessing in the world is a lifelong, free, open, loving relationship with God. That that is the blessing. But Esau, Esau doesn't even come close to that. It doesn't even begin to show up on his radar. Otherwise, he would not behave and respond the way that he does. And when we read and what we read in Esau's account and and his experience, I think it's impossible to read this and not be moved by what Esau is going through. You can sense it coming through in, in his desperation, in his in his tears, in his pleading. There is a sense of of brokenheartedness here. There's a sense of the shattering of his hopes. Of of just this this last one good that he's holding on to, that that this has also now just flown out of his hand. That this was supposed to finally begin writing the balance again between him and Jacob. It's impossible not to feel for Esau in in the terrible wrong that he goes through in this. And yet, for Esau, if we read this carefully, we can see that the blessing for Esau amounts to the same thing as it did for Jacob. Neither of them understand this. For for Esau as well, it is a zero-sum game. And it comes back to, as well, this fierce and bitter competition between him and Jacob. And he is hoping that this blessing is going to even the score. He's hoping that it is going to bring Jacob lower and Esau up higher. And of course, then, it works out just the opposite. 
And so Esau cries out, is he not rightly named Jacob? And his next sentence in Hebrew is literally, because he has Jacobed me these two times. He's he's clearly not forgotten. How could he? The stealing of his birthright. And Jacob, he's grabbed my heel. He's supplanted me both these times. And Esau is moved to tears. He weeps. And what's interesting here, though, is that the New Testament actually has a commentary about what's happening here. It would seem like this specific incident. This is in Hebrews twelve seventeen. It says, When Esau desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent. He found no chance to repent. It's very interesting. Even though he sought it, with tears. We've we got to hold both of these scriptures together in order to make sense of what both of them are saying. And in short, it's telling us that tears are not always what they might appear to be. There's a lot of reasons to be moved to tears. Now, we're moved to tears over things that we hold dear. But those things may or may not be good things. And we can see Esau's tears here are really because the only way he can think of, the only way he can understand this blessing, is in earthly and carnal terms. It has entirely to do with earthly prosperity, his desire for success, his desire for power, specifically power over his brother Jacob. And you you can see this, but you listen to the interaction that plays out between Esau and and his father Isaac. So Esau comes in, right, and he feels rightly hurt. Very understandable. He's hurt, he's betrayed, his brother snuck in, stole this blessing, stole this promise that his father had intended for him. So, yeah, that's very right, very understandable he feels that way. And so he begs his father to bless him. Also, no, no problem there, of course you would want your father's blessing. But then we get to Isaac's response. This is verse 37. Isaac says, I I have made him, Jacob, lord over you. And all his brothers I have given him to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? And it is at this point, there is an utter and total failure of imagination on Esau's part to come up with anything else. That's it. If he can't have power over his brother, if his brother is going to be wealthy and successful, what good could possibly be left in this world? That's it. Those are the only categories that Esau can think of. Who is going to have more power and who is going to have more wealth? Me or Jacob? Outside of those questions, there is nothing that Esau can think of. There's no reference at all to God or, or his involvement, his desire to bless this family. His promises to this family, a relationship with God. There, there's no, <laughs> no um, noting at all that any blessings 
whether they come from Isaac or anywhere else, ultimately come from God's hand. None of that is going on. Now, admittedly, this is a really hard, this is a really dark moment in Esau's life. So we shouldn't be too hard on him. But the fact remains that at this very moment of his disappointment, at this very moment of being wronged by Jacob and by Isaac, Esau still has all the same resources. He has all the same opportunities as Jacob does to experience a truly blessed life. Because the truly blessed life is one that is in communion with, in relationship with God. That is the blessing. And Esau has that available. And he doesn't see it. And so what this really amounts to is simply another example for Esau, albeit a more sophisticated one than him selling his birthright, of Esau selling himself short. Still failing to grasp what is most valuable in life. It eludes him. And I think there's an important lesson for us here as well when we cry out to God. Even in in desperation and heartbreak. A number of times, at least in the case for me, God will respond back. And Justin, what is the blessing that you've been seeking here? What is it you have been building your hopes on that hasn't come about? And this brings us really to the last point, which is what is the blessing? What is God's blessing? And I want us to look at this blessing from Isaac that the whole episode sort of revolves around. So take a look at at Isaac's blessing in verses 28 and 29. He says, May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, I think what's interesting about this blessing, in relationship to everything that we've been talking about, and in in the picture of what happens in the lives of Jacob and Esau, is that God is going to imprint on both of these men that this divine blessing through Isaac is not, it is not what they thought it was. It it is not some earthly superstitious promise to health, wealth, and, and prosperity. Because Jacob, Jacob is going to suffer tremendously. Jacob is going to have to go through some really hard things. And, and <laughs> Jacob never gets mastery over Esau. Neither Jacob nor any of his children for generations to come are ever masters over Esau's children. And then Esau, for his part, he actually becomes enormously wealthy, enormously successful. He, He enjoys a very blessed and prosperous life in earthly terms. Now, we know... We're taking in the scope of the, the whole story of the Bible that God has a much bigger blessing. He has a much longer term blessing that he's talking about coming through Isaac. And Isaac himself seems to be waking up just a little bit to this. 
After Esau comes back in with this meal, and and it dawns on Isaac what has just happened, he trembles and he shakes violently. And part of what Isaac is realizing here is that God, God has just been at work. Because despite Isaac's best efforts, despite all of his work to try to get Esau the blessing, God is working right through him. God is working right around him and over him. And God is willing to even work in this deceiving and manipulating manipulating of Jacob in order to bring God's purposes to bless this family through Jacob. And we know that these purposes ultimately are fulfilled in Jesus. It's Jesus that this blessing is is talking about, who comes through the line of Jacob, and those of us who put our faith in Jesus. Jesus is really the only one who, who makes sense of this blessing, because why in the world would Jacob be blessed? Neither Jacob or Esau deserve a blessing. I mean, this whole family scene, from beginning to end throughout this chapter, I mean, it is one long parade of deceiving, manipulating, greed, coveting, lying, manipulating, cheating, selfishness, rivalry. It's appalling. And yet it is in this, this scene, that God is choosing to pronounce and to bring his blessing. Because that's what the gospel is. We... In the midst of all of our sins, in the midst of our pettiness, the midst of our zero concern for God, zero desire for God, And God says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bring my blessing. I am determined to put that on you. I will give you blessings in Jesus that you do not deserve. We are just like Jacob in this scene. Inheriting immense blessings that we have no right to. That Jesus has earned and he gives us. Right in the midst of our deception and our selfishness. And you read this blessing and it really is all about Jesus. Jesus is the one whom all people are going to serve. Whom all nations are going to bow down to. Who's going to be Lord over everything. And the Bible tells us though. That we are his heirs. So we also get this blessing. We are heirs of Jesus. So what is it? What do we get as as heirs? What are we inheriting from Jesus? And the answer is everything. There is nothing in this world that doesn't belong to Jesus. And as Christians, God God gives us the entirety of this world. We actually get to see and appreciate the true value, the true meaning of everything in this world as we see it relating to God or helping us to enjoy God. Right? And, and more than that, right, as Christians, God gives us everything we experience in this world as a gift. But he also gives us more. 
He he gives us the opportunity that we actually get to participate in making this world good for others. We, We get to be God's blessing. We get to be part of God's transformation of the world. This is the really incredible part of this blessing. This is what I want to close with, of what we receive in Jesus. And I want to take a look at this, just again, very, very briefly, by by zeroing in at the very end of Jacob's blessing, what Isaac says. He says, cursed, he he talks about cursed are are those who curse you, and anyone who blesses you will be blessed. Now, he's not saying for you as a Christian, somebody flips you off in the parking lot, God's going to get them, God's God's after that person, and God's, God's got your back. Uh, That's not what it's saying. It's saying that as we walk in a loving and trusting relationship with Jesus, God is going to make you like Jesus. And as that happens, God is going to make you a blessing to other people. Or at least the possibility of blessing if they receive that. This is God's call to us. This is God's promise to us of not only receiving the blessing, but actually becoming the blessing. That as we go out into this world, we carry with us a spirit of Jesus. It's a spirit whose design is to bring blessing, to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring new life into every relationship, into every situation that we touch. That's God's promise. That's that's God's blessing for us to engage in. So let's pray that we could be reminded of, that, that we would be better in touch with that blessing and that mission that God's given us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the blessing is given to us. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to work to receive it. We, we can just receive what you offer us freely that is entirely undeserved, that in fact comes in spite of who we are, to your glory, that you give us blessing in the midst of who we are, and that you go beyond that and not just bless us, but you give us the blessing of being part of what you are doing for others, and for this world. So Lord, I pray that we would be able to inherit that blessing, that that we would treasure that, that we would find that blessing the most valuable one each day. In Jesus' name, amen.